Tables at the sci-fi convention. Oh my god! The Kirk Spock. Wait, they actually have tables. Yeah, they have the sci-fi dedicated. They vend. vendors. The card. Oh my god, Riker. Well, I know the thick is out there, but the fact that there's tables. Oh yeah, and they would they sell it? Big fat lesbians sitting there with big old smiles on their faces. Take your time, look around. How much do they sell these for? I don't know. I didn't Five actually bucks pick them up because they look kind of sticky. <laughs> yeah. oh gross. My God. Yeah, they're, they're, you never want to read them. No, it's gross. Yeah. Welcome, folks, to <laughs> Geek Shock number 72. I am Master Torgo. I am Dr. Vlarg. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Oh, yes. It's good to be back. Uh, of course, we've had a, uh, a three-week break. We threw a few special episodes up there for you in the meantime to give you something to munch on. Uh, I was out of town, and while well, they needed a rest, Barry had his uh, his head to play with, and I've and, been on drugs. And Jeff, you what were you playing with? Uh, two little mutts. Oh yeah, I was house you were, sitting. You were you were dog dog playing. I was dog sitting. Yes. What were you playing with, Commander? <laughs> <laughs> Insert cricket noise. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us about where you were, sir. Oh, <laughs> come on! I, I, I went to Pahrump for about three weeks to hung out in the wine. Oh and, yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, I went to the Mediterranean. I, oh. I was I was uh, looking for geekdom out in uh, Rome and Israel and Egypt, and not finding a whole lot. I had to make my own. Really, uh, really. Yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna make a, a whorehouse joke with the the whole month in Pahrump thing, but uh, <laughs> I got cut off too soon. Well, it's just about as expensive, really, when it comes it down to it. Well, probably less expensive than your trip. <laughs> I don't expect you'd find much geekdom out there. You're right. No. Al- although I was actually kind of impressed by Israel in that regard. Um, the uh, the port city we were at, uh, Ashdod, I believe it was. Sohan. It's uh, just in the port area, there was four or five video game retailers. Huh. Hmm. And they also sold porn, so so they know they're all awesome. That's that's wow. what they have. But but uh, other than that, in Only in, Israel. in Italy, I'd, Italy, I found a GameStop. Nice. So yeah, I got pictures. Cool. Plus. I still haven't seen. Uh, he's been home like a week. I haven't seen any of these. I have not even put the video. pictures into the computer yet. They're still sitting on the camera, uh, degrading digitally somehow. I know. In fact, for a week, this is today was the first day he actually spoke at length about his trip. In any in any respect at all, <laughs> this is true. Well, th- I really haven't seen you all that much this You're week. Really, this stuff I've seen you. I've been sitting here on the couch. You just you, you seemed like you were like not here. I kind of like wasn't. You, like your body was here, but your mind was not. Okay, I accept like, that. I fully accept that. It's like right, was when this I went before to, or after he got back from the trip? 
What's that? Is this before or after he got back from the trip? It's, this is it's after. both, really. Oh, okay. It comes down to it. Whoa. Now, well, they do have a bit of a, a geek store to, to relay, except you guys, some of you are f- familiar in this room, but uh, those of you out here who listen to the show, I, I am notorious at the awful D20 rolls when it comes to tabletop role-playing games. Indeed you are, sir. I, I, it's, uh, the sto- I, I think it creates great stories within the game, personally. It does. It adds flavor. Later. But I, I decided Barry gave me the idea when he went off to his a wiener tour of England that he he wiener. brought he brought his twenty sided die with him took pictures with it everywhere just uk.uglycouchshow.com yeah so you you can see that mark so I said well you know what I should grab a twenty sided die take it with me and and thus do the uh, traveling gnome picture of the dice but it it was about after. I'd hit the catacombs outside of Rome that it really kind of hit me that I, I could be onto something here with, with D20s. Did you find one of the Grail Knights in the catacombs? The Grail Knights? The Grail Knights. Yeah. No. No, I did not. Oh, uh, they, if, if they were there, they were in a chamber I was not allowed to go to. Okay. Apparently it was very dangerous in that chamber. People, yeah, people keep grabbing wrong cups. I heard it filled with petroleum. They choose poorly. It's, they do. <laughs> Don't light a match. <laughs> anyway. And rats. When I, I I went to the city of Pompeii, took a picture of it there, just just because like, hey, this diet had been to Pompeii. However, I didn't cr- find the gravitas of what I was doing until I hit Israel. Okay, that was in old city Jerusalem. I was at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This is the church built over the hill of Golgotha, okay, where Christ yeah, yeah, yeah. was was crucified. Yeah, all right. There's an altar there. You can kiss the stone. Blah blah blah. Well, I, I have this. Church is built over this hill, so you have to climb up all these steps to get to this altar, right. and then you climb back down all these other steps to get to this large slab where the bodies were anointed with oil after they were taken down from the cross. And supposedly, Jesus was also placed here before he was placed in his tomb. Okay. Apparently, anything you place upon this stone becomes instantly blessed. And I was seeing people lean down, kissing the stone, and putting their jewelry upon the stone to be instantly oh, no. blessed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of Christ compels you. And I happen to have had in my pocket the twenty-sided die Just that I brought with me. <clears throat> okay. This, and I was like, would it be? And the question goes out there: Would it be sacrilegious to place this upon this stone, thus making the die? A blessed die. Depends on your level of belief, I suppose. Okay, what gaming hmm. system is that? This this is level oh. of belief versus. Oh, okay, uh, that's, that's true. Okay, gotcha. yeah. well, I, I think it it's ascension. <laughs> I look at it this way. Uh-huh. I'm. That's a geek joke. I'm generally an atheist, right. I, you know. But when it comes to this stuff, hey, doesn't hurt. Exactly. <laughs> right. Just in case you're soaking up all the juju that may or may not be there, that may be residual from everyone else, mm-hmm. you know? And you have to lay it 20 side up. Focus all the energy oh, in the I universe. Oh, I hope you did that. Oh, oh I, I hope you laid it 20 he side it, up. He put a one up. I, I'm sure that I didn't. Because, because it makes for a good story. As crowded as that thing was around there and as quick as I had to do it, 
not that anyone oh, there would buddy. really recognize. Oh, pal of mine. Yeah. Oh, did you fuck that up? Oh, boy. oh no, 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 no. This thing is this thing is blessed no matter what number is up. Did on you take a picture of it? That I did take a picture. So we can oh, yeah. I think this. I think it's sixteen actually. 16. Okay, hey, you know what? That's good. Sixteen's a good number. Hey, that's right. Sixteen. It's a high number. That is a high number. And so I leave the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, walk down uh, the Dio Doloroso, the uh, the uh, the road that Christ pulled the cross up the hill. All right, okay. but I'm walking down the hill, so we're doing it backwards in time. All right, and we reach the wall, the Wailing Wall, the uh, the last remnants of the temple, right, where the most Holy spot for Jews around the world. Okay. So, therefore, I have my die with me, and I walk down, place the, uh, the yarmulke on my head, which one must do when approaching the wall, <clears throat> and then place the die in the you little cubby hole there. They you have to. You, you cover you, you your head, you yes. my, my father went toward the wall. <clears throat> he didn't see the hats there that you could borrow mm-hmm. to go down. And they, oh, they, they put a stink. They made a stink. They, they, they were like, oh, no, no, and just trying to stop him from moving any closer to that wall. You have to respect their beliefs when you're yeah. there. Yeah. And, and so yeah. he didn't realize what he was doing, and then finally a guy welcomed him. I think they want you to put a hat on. But <laughs> so I then placed the die on the wall and took a picture. So now. So we have a little proof of. So I now have an older religion. Blessed upon uh, this die. Okay. okay. On that Fargan wall? On that Fargan wall. Okay. We then now go to the Palestinian side of Israel to the uh, Church of the Nativity. All right. Okay. So already my die is in, you know, danger territory. And then I now place the die in the Church of the Holy Nativity. So now there we go. Three full holy sites in one day with this 120 sided die. This is becoming mm. a powerful relic. My friends. Yeah, yeah. All right. In D&D terms, it would be an artifact, I believe. Not yet. Pretty soon. That's the next step. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because the next day, I officially baptized this die in the Jordan River. (laughs) Artifact. (laughs) (laughs) And I have pictures of all this, and I will be posting the pictures of this online (laughs) with a uh, basic uh, argument, if you will, that when you go on vacation... Take your die with you. And even if you're just going to, say, oh, I don't know, Portland, Indiana, and you go to the the single statue in town that commemorates the founder, or you go to the, uh, the cemetery where there is the Civil War nurse, place your die upon these spots. Absolutely. And bring forth that power into your roles, into your game. Because even if you don't, believe in this superstition of the dice you will have a very special piece in your gaming that just means that much more to you so but i'll write a lot more on that yeah but uh, but that that is kind of the crux of the uh, so barry touched on it so you basically you have taken a 20-sided die and and that right, meant right, nothing right, to that me. That meant nothing, and you've turned it into artifact status. So important to me now that I refuse to bring it to the game. <laughs> Until he has a proper holder I for it. I fucking love that. <laughs> Until I, I have a proper holder it. for this it. This dice is too good to use! <laughs> <laughs> 
that dye that I brought to England, it was just a regular dye that I pulled out of a, a bin in Chessex that I, I liked the look of. It wasn't a special dye. It wasn't a dye bought for me by anyone special. Uh, it wasn't my first dye that I bought, that I that gold speckled one that I bought in Baltimore. I, I would have brought that one, but I can't really read it too well, you know? Right, right. Uh, and it never really rolled well for me anyway, piece of shit. Um... I just liked the look of it, and it became something special because I brought it around. Now, given, remember, I'm not really superstitious. I don't knock on wood, much to Deb's chagrin. I don't <laughs> knock on wood. I don't uh, look both ways before crossing the street, That's though I right. probably should. She's a little <laughs> superstitious. <laughs> That's, That's, that, that one that I should do. <laughs> that old superstitious. <laughs> old wives and your tails. Listen, I'm st- <laughs> like stop signs and all crap like that. Um, red lights, bullshit. Um, uh, I don't bother with black cats and you know not crossing under uh, ladders and things like that. Broken mirrors, seven years, whatever. Bad luck. I don't care about superstitious shit and religions and blah 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 blah. You say Candyman three times, you're good. Yeah, I've done but it. with one exception in my life. <laughs> yes. Dice. Role-playing dice especially. In particular, absolutely. That's my one little thing in my life. Mm -hmm. I will soak up juju from everyone else's superstitions. (laughs) They're religious superstitions, and that's what they are to me. Crazy superstitions. So I will take my die to your superstitious places, and my pilgrimage, my Mecca, my, my, my pilgrimage to Mecca would be to visit, when they finally build it, the... Statue or whatever that they're going that they plan on doing for uh, Gary Gygax. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's a fine. <laughs> I hope they make that statue where his hand is out, so you can just place your the die right there. That God. would be awesome. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's that is. That's it. my pilgrimage to the thing where you put the die in his hand, take a picture, and there it is. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, that's that 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 was my trip. And nice. I just turned the what? sound off what are you and it doing? came back on. I, All right, good. Uh, anyway. J- just playing sound designer again. Look out, folks. <laughs> that was no. Gary Gygax saying yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I guess so. From beyond the grave. I'm like, I've yeah. got it on silent. It's Why funny, it's funny about role players. I mean, you know, gamers can calculate the odds on a roll. You can say, okay, you got to roll a D10, a D8, and a D12, and they'll ca- calculate the odds for that roll. They can have that mathematical precision, but at the same time, they will be so superstitious. <laughs> touch their die. Use your your bad die rolls and touches theirs. Oh, oh, go! oh, oh yeah. None of nobody in our group will touch my dice. <laughs> I won't even touch no, my dice. No, none of you. None of you will. And last night, I insisted on rolling in that little polystone cubby hole that I made for myself. We gotta get them one. Uh, Christmas. We gotta find one. Because yeah. Barry spent an un- godly amount of money on Dwarven <laughs> Forge. Oh, uh, yeah! If you're unfamiliar with what Dwarven Forge is, it is miniature sets, alright? Because you play D&D with miniature figures, these are sets that you put together made of polystone mm. that look absolutely incredible. Look it up. Uh, Introduced to them by uh, Gabe of Penny Arcade. Who uh, extolled the virtues of him on the Penny Arcade uh, the news thing? Yeah, uh, talked about him in his D and D campaign. Uh, looked at him, loved them. Uh, couldn't stand the fact that I didn't own them in my home, uh, and uh, so it, and so it's got hard. a job just to buy them. Yes. <laughs> there you go. It 
And Dwarven Forge. Dwarven Forge, getting gamers to work everywhere. But I, I will say, <laughs> when I started rolling in that little polystone cubbyhole I made for myself, I rolled more 20s last night than I ever have. You threw those three sixes and you can actually wear that shirt or a 17. Yeah. I rolled 20s. <laughs> I, I, I did a, a, a test roll for a, a character attribute and came up with a 17. Mind you, didn't say I got a job to, you know, feed myself, to keep shelter over my head, to keep a girlfriend. No, got a job to buy the woman. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. He was job. actually making enough scratch to scrape by, <laughs> barely the freelance stuff. Yeah, but it was like I need to have this, so I must find a steady-paying job. Yeah. <laughs> Careful going to Dwarven Forge's site, folks, because you will be bit by the bug. Yeah. So I went to Dwarf, I went to Dwarven Forge the other day, and I turned to Deb and I said. I bought Dwarven Forge. And she's like, oh, no. No, she didn't say, oh, no. No, no, I'm sure she didn't. You you know why she's a keeper? She said, oh. And she smiled. (laughs) (laughs) She she gets a play in that shit, too. You guys wonder why I don't come over for game nights now. I have money now. So I know that I'm going to be tempted to start buying a lot of this stuff. (laughs) There was this Back to the Future card game. I bought it. You did? (laughs) Okay. I bought it. I saw it, and I was like, oh, this would be perfect for game night. It's good. I bought it. Okay, I'm just saying, I, I, I almost bought it while, play it. Well, while we, we were on hiatus. Game night, uh, we'll, we'll play it. I'll call you. So let's move into the show, gentlemen. Yeah. Why not? Here we go. <laughs> We've killed enough time with our own <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah, it's going to be a long show, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> we're, we're back, we're full of piss and vinegar. And Settle in, vinegar folks. And sugar and <laughs> this is going to be a long Maple one. and brown sugar. Maple and brown sugar. Yes. One of the best flavors of the oatmeal. Uh, the instant oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Quaker instant. Yes. Name drop. Apples and cinnamon, man, myself. I like that Both one together. too. Oh my. Ooh. Oh my. I have two packets. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yes. yes. Usually don't give a shit about it. Just to end, end the the oatmeal war. Bullshit. Oatmeal's awesome. Yes. Oh my. Oh my. Oatmeal. Dune. Dune's back in it. Well, actually not. Dune may soon be added to the list of Hollywood blockbusters that never came to fruition. No. According to Deadline, Paramount Pictures will lose the rights to develop a new movie based on Dune if it doesn't have a production start date nailed down by next spring. And that's because the holders of the rights of the Frank Herbert novel, the Herbert Estate, and ABC will not grant the studio another extension to its option. Herbert, 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 Herbert. Herbert. So, the producers and rights holders are also quite willing to go elsewhere if Paramount doesn't pull the trigger. What the hell, Paramount? So, Dune is still a very hot property off the screen with the original book and continuing series of sequels. Mm-hmm. Still selling fairly well. <clears throat> What's with and Paramount? On, I don't think do something with it. On. Well, at least it's out of Berg's hands. That's all I really cared about. Yeah. That <laughs> Peter Berg can go make his Battleship movie and we can all be happy not Peter seeing it. Peter Berg. Boo. Him and his Dude, Friday Night Lights. Dude, news you don't give a shit about 24 frames has learned the walt disney pictures is in talks to acquire tiki huh a screenplay written by musician ahmet zappa yeah that's uh, that's son (laughs) of frank zappa and uh, a writing partner michael wilson who wrote uh, shark's tale ice age burn notice uh, writer uh, monster witness relocation program i'm not familiar with that one Now, while the story is not directly related to the enchanted Tiki Room attraction at Disneyland, Zappa and Wilson were inspired by the animatronic show and decided to write an action-adventure that mixes in Polynesian mythology. Tiki. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, since Disney is acquiring it, you mm. know it's just uh, going to be... The moment they have it, they're going to find a way to tiki room it up. Yeah, that's going to be the most boring That's what shit they do. They buy, they buy a script Earth. and then turn it into one of their themed rides. Which I'm not opposed to. They've put out some good ones and bad ones, mind Mostly you. Mostly bad. But Tiki Room is not the one I think I'm the excited about. Let me tell you, I went to Frankie's Tiki Room. Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. That's all you gotta say. I went to Frankie's Tiki Room over the weekend. For those of you who don't know... It's good. I was just there last week. ...is a bar in Las Vegas. It's a room. It's got Tiki (laughs) stuff in it. So far, that's what you described. It's a nice bar... But not but what do you, how do you make a how do you make a movie out of a tiki room? How do you make an action adventure thing out of tiki? It's just a style. Well, I will say their Polynesian mythology is is fairly rich with uh, Pele and True. so on. So it's there. It depends what where they go with it. But if Disney's buying it, they're gonna it's gonna be birds. Um, chirp chirp. It birds and some decent food. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember the food part in the the attraction, though. I will. I liked Frankie's Tiki Room right up until the smoke started really getting heavy in there, and then I had to leave. Yeah, that's about it. It's a very low ceiling. I like walking through the sawdust as they're cutting the tiki right in front of the door when you go I, to enter. I was very disappointed they weren't doing it the night that I was there. I, I had people I, telling me about it. I and forget I was like, what night it is. They make their awesome. own tikis. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it. I, I don't know. Wednesday, Friday, uh, one of those nights. The guy actually sits right in front of the door with the chainsaw, and he's cutting up tiki. He finishes it inside the tiki room, and then they have like a raffle or something and give it away. That's a neat idea. Well, there's an yeah. unconfirmed story that uh, the that one of the designers of the tiki room at Disneyland was responsible for the design of Frankie's tiki room. I've here. heard that too. I've heard. I, that. I I I don't know how credible the story is, but that's what I was told. There's another unconfirmed rumor. That um, this movie's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> what, Barry? I thought you'd have that one confirmed. Oh uh, well, I'll confirm it right now. <laughs> this movie's gonna suck. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Yes. Later this week, Oakley is set to release two pairs of designer 3D glasses for $120 a pop. <laughs> then in December, Marchon will release a pair of Calvin Klein 3D glasses for $180 a pair. Each obviously looks way cooler, will be much more comfortable, and should actually improve the 3D movie viewing experience. Plus, it's probably better for the environment not having to recycle it. However, which one of you gentlemen would like to spend 100 plus on their own personal 3D glasses for their... 3D movie movie enjoyment. Ooh, ooh, me! I'd love to spend hundred and eighty dollars for a pair of fucking glasses that no one can even see me wear because they're all watching the screen. I would love that. I would love to do that. Now they are very stylish. I saw yes, them again. I would love to wear glasses that no one will ever see me wear. Here's the thing that. with this. I read about this too. They're they're the polarized ones. They're not like the. The ones that, uh, you know, like the, uh, the, the Samsung. Yeah, it's, they're not the LCD shutter ones. They're the polarized. So technically you could wear them as regular sunglasses outside. Right. But you can only use them in theaters that have the polarized. Yes. Or the, with the, the, the dual projection, not, not your LCD shutter ones. Right. So I just, I don't, I don't get it. Other than you want to have some stylish sunglasses that could... 
be used in, say, what, 60, 70% of theaters that have a... Yeah. a uh, sure. Now, I will say this, though. Uh-huh. If, if they're your own personal glasses, you don't have to worry about that big, greasy smudge right across the the lens. There is that. I run into that every time I go to a 3D movie. I get the dirtiest yeah. pair of freaking 3D glasses. I just want to say I'm sorry. That's my fault. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've been taking Vaseline to the movie theater with me just to put it on your glasses before I have Asshole. So I lick them. And, and so I, I like to lick my glasses. I, I confess now. But can you imagine this? Imagine. Okay, so you're walking into the theater. You're about mm-hmm. to see Avatar or some sure. shit movie like that. Okay. And you're just walking along. Okay, I'll take my glasses. Thank you. And then, like, the guy right behind you. Oh, no. I don't need glasses. I've got my own. <laughs> you, you just, and now, he also has a popped pink collar on his you pink You have to say it like, you have to say it like Horatio Kane and go, no thanks. No thanks. I've got my I've own. got my own. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> You know my soul dissipates every time you say that. It's like, <laughs> I was going to say, folks, you can't see have to the cringe that, that was coming on, on Torgo's face just <laughs> so now cringe. as we were setting that up. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, when you said Horatio, I knew it wasn't going to be Alger. So, and like this, his whole, his whole body tensed up. I saw the muscles <laughs> tighten as this was coming. But the guy who has his own, uh, his own 3D glasses also has a pink polo shirt with a popped collar. And a cardigan <laughs> tied around his uh, yeah, tied around his shoulders. Yes, he does. Yes, and he's uh, got a faking, faking bake, and he's got his lips just parted. <laughs> he's got the spiked hair. God. Yeah, and that's and, it for the shit news. <laughs> wow, we sure stretched that one wow. out. <laughs> so let's do the real news because there's plenty Yay. of it. There Yay. we go. We'll, we'll start with the, my, one of my favorite pieces. After just two episodes, AMC's The Walking Dead has gotten picked up for a second season. Fuck yes! Love it! Debut episode of The Walking Dead was the highest rated broadcast in AMC's history, with 5.3 million viewers taking in the opening salvo of Frank Darabont's vision of life in America after a zombie apocalypse. The second episode was broadcast to an excellent number, 4.7 million people. That's pretty good for a cable network. AMC has approved a 13-episode second season, which brought in more 18 to 49-year-old viewers than anything else in the cable landscape. I like it. Does anyone know how they're going to do, how they plan to spread out all the uh, all the books? I don't know how they're planning on spreading it out. Uh, I do know that after I, I just watched it yesterday, really, the first two episodes, and then immediately when I was done, I pulled out the first uh, yeah, collection. I did, that. I did that too. Wasn't it amazing of how, what higher quality the TV show was compared to the original comic? I don't know about higher quality. I say superior quality. I say it was different. Obviously, it's a different medium. I don't think we can compare it. It's apples and oranges. I can, because I honestly believe that the Walking Dead comic didn't hit its stride until it reaches the prison. I don't think you can compare it because the Walking Dead didn't get to hit its stride. It was its, you know, the Walking Dead um, TV series has had the comic to hit its stride. Well, it's not it's not it's not the it's not the fact that they have done the comic, it's the fact that they have expanded on the comic so well. Yeah. The uh, the first two episodes are 
head and shoulders above the quality of the opening story of the comic book. Well, yeah, they they expanded on Certainly. that. They've added that, characters, that, that guy, they've included, which wife. means they're going to increase the body count. Yeah. Uh, I, I love what they're adding they added the, to the, it. They added the, the, the Nazi guy. And fanboys tend to get all, all piss and vinegar about adding things to comics and taking away and so on. In this case, bravo. Big yeah. time bravo. No, I look forward to seeing things that I am not familiar with because I've read the comic as well as seeing the things in the comic because they're nailing that too. They're taking risks. Yes. But they're taking calculated risks. And so far, the risks they've taken have paid off. Hopefully, they're not going to take too many like crazy risks in the future. Risk is our business. Like the whole tank, the whole tank <laughs> sequence, not in the comic. Yeah. So, spoiler but, alert. Yeah, I was gonna say spoiler alert, no, people. No tank sequence. Yeah, I, there, I, there's no spoiler in that. Trust no, because yeah. it's it's been in the commercials. <laughs> I mean, well, you've seen you've seen him even, come out of the even tank. even so even if you're the watching this show, to watch point of Paul thing dimes the donuts you. You you're to us. I'm being very careful not to be spoiler in anything I'm saying about this show. Now, I had hoped to watch it before the show today, and I didn't get it done. Um, but I'm going to, to be watch watching it after the show. Life. Well, it's because I knew you guys were going to be here any moment, so I didn't want to get started into it and then uh, yes, yeah, so, have to so stop. I, I say I the I Time Traveler's Wife is a, is a fine surrogate. <laughs> I was actually flipping the channel. I just stopped when when I saw Rachel McAdams. I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah, you, sure, you did get to see her business. butt. I yeah. did. You did get to see her butt. And a little bit more. And a little yeah. bit more of Eric Manna's, you know. No. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, as somebody it's that's not Hulk, familiar you will. with the comic material, I mean, I, I, I'm aware of the comic material. I have not read it. Um, Andy was Torgo was was really, really talking it up uh, yesterday and today. So I want to watch it having not read the comic and then um, have that, you know, that perspective you'll to share with it. the show. You'll, I, you'll enjoy I think it. I will. That's I mean, good. you and I saw all the clips when we were at Comic-Con, yeah. and it looked fantastic. It is fucking fantastic. And if it maintains, not even if it maintains this viewership, if it maintains half this viewership, we're going to enjoy this show for a long time. I just hope they maintain the quality, and I think <laughs> yeah. they will. I started reading the comic again, and I'm thinking about stopping just because... I did stop. I kind of don't want to read it again. Yes, because I know there are things that I've forgotten yeah. that I want to be a surprise again. It's going to diverge. It's going to diverge. And now I feel like I'm waiting for key elements to happen. And I know they're going to take time. Because if they burn through it as fast as I burn through the books, we're going to be done. We're going to be through like the third damn book by the time the... The second, the first season is over, and it's going to be ridiculous. If, if I may, I think make the most poignant, the most best way to sum up The Walking Dead, it is the anti the Seeker. <laughs> All right? What the Seeker fucked up with the books, The Walking Dead is just the opposite, making it better. Yeah. All I know it's is funny because got... he hates the Seeker so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they got what is it? Twelve books right now? Twelve uh, graphic novels? Graphic yeah, novels. The small uh, trades. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's no end in sight for Rick. No, and, and that's the thing is that they're going to keep... Following Rick. Yeah, the, yeah. The, and the comic is still strong. Rick. Uh, all I know is that kid... Yeah, keep following that kid him. is going to have a great career after this after this series. Yeah. That you know, kid. You notice that kid was wearing the same shirt, too? That he was in the comic? Yeah. They're nailing a little shit like that. Yeah. I love it. Nailed it. All right, let's, what's next? Let's see. Within the past six years... 
Cocoa prices have been on the rise, and according to the Cocoa Research Association, the human race is consuming more cocoa than is being produced. According to John Mason, executive director and founder of the Nature Conservation Research Center, quote, in 20 years, chocolate will be like caviar. It will become so rare and so expensive, the average Joe just won't be able to afford it. Oh, no. The cacao plant can only be grown within 10 degrees of the equator and is difficult enough to harvest that farmers are seeing less incentive to replant the crop. Although, if chocolate will become as rare and expensive as caviar, one can only imagine farmers will be more than happy to grow and sell the coveted plant when the chocolate drought hits. Just raise prices. But it's not all doom and gloom. For the abundance of chocolate, though, as scientists with the support and intense interest of Hershey and Mars have recently mapped the cacao genome, which could lead to more resilient trees and who knows what in the name of chocolate preservation. Clone chocolate. Chocolate Science. in your backyard. Yeah, I, shit. There was something else, too. I, I recently um, was wa- uh, reading online about the way that the, the cocoa plant reproduces itself, mm-hmm. that uh, that the way that they harvest the cocoa is actually um, detrimental to the the plant reproducing itself. Okay. And so that it it they're they're getting less and less of a return every year because of the way that they harvest it. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember specifics and for the life of me I can't. This is like two weeks ago I just I saw I read this thing online and there was saw um, some videos of it. There was another study done. Um, we could just you know not eat so much chocolate fatty <laughs> and maybe well, have a carrot chocolate in and of itself have a if, salad if i'm going to have a carrot i'm going to i'm going to dip that shit in chocolate chocolate in and of itself doesn't have fat it's the the shit that gets added to it that makes it fattening later yeah, but on the sugar uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, but chocolate in and of itself tastes like crap yeah, yeah well yeah it's the sugar and the milk and all the other things that get added to it that make it so unhealthy. Put down the chocolate bar, there. <laughs> no, lard ass. No, I'm going to eat it out completely. Done. Put it down. This is my time. My time down here. <laughs> Have a cucumber. Are we still talking Chunk. about chocolate? <laughs> Put down the Cadbury. All right, gentlemen, are you ready to pee on your phones? Yes, right. always. Right. With the help of a four million pound grant, that's about six and a half million dollars. The UK Clinical Research Collaboration is currently developing a computer chip that, once urinated or spit on, can be plugged into a phone and can then tell the user whether or not he or she has an STD, including herpes, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. <laughs> Ultimately, we have doctors for this! <laughs> they plan for the chips, which are projected to be about the size of a USB chip, to be sold in vending machines... For about eighty cents to a dollar sixty, in order to encourage people to perform self exams who would otherwise yeah. avoid an exam because of embarrassment or cost issues. That's fine, I guess. So yeah, pee that's on, actually cool. Get, that's cool. Get ready to pee on your phone. You know what? If it helps, <laughs> that's a good awareness. It's a good icebreaker at a date. It really, you know, really is. Hey, look here. I'm STD free. Smell Show it. Your phone. Smell it. <laughs> and then, then you have the. Uh, the other thing where you can, you know, buy the fake urine just like you can for your job. <laughs> <laughs> you I knew somebody that. that did that once, and I was just like, really? You went out and bought fake pee? Where do you buy fake pass- pee? You know what? Anybody out there, there who needs fake pee, apparently. I can give you the real stuff. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's pretty clean. Dude, I saw, the, chocolate I in saw it. the rig. It's, it literally is a hose <laughs> and, a, and a thing that you wear on your body. 
it like straps on that you, you wear it like underwear so that your body heat warms this stuff up. I'm not lying to you. This is this true. Is and it has the most th- ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It I'm has like, a little thermometer attached to the side to make sure that it's warm enough. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it when it's one of those little like the the, the, the temperature sensor you used to put on your forehead when you were a kid that it the the color changes so that you could see how warm it is. I'm sitting there going, or you could have just you know stopped smoking the weed for a couple of months to get a job as opposed to going out and buying this fake stuff and then trying. Well, you could to, just drink uh, some fucking cranberry juice and get that shit that cleans you out. It doesn't work. That stuff doesn't work. I thought it worked. I don't know. Time is the only thing that's especially if I've it's never a, had to use it. Because, you know, I'll just, I've yeah. just stopped smoking. Yeah. Whatever. I don't, I don't know. I haven't smoked He was just glad it wasn't the hair test. Because <laughs> if the hair test, he would have been screwed. Ain't, ain't nobody cutting that hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Disney, speaking of, has officially announced a long-rumored animated series based on Tron to debut in the summer of 2012. So, only a year and a half after the movie comes out. But... <laughs> The news here really is not the what, it's the who. By the off-screen credits alone, Tron Uprising will have uh, Bacon-esque connections to Dexter's Laboratory, Animaniacs, Red and Stimpy, Batman the Animated Series, Tiny Toons, Lost. And then there's the cast. Elijah Wood, for example, will be voicing the main character, who will be leading the series Uprising. The list also includes Mandy Moore, Paul Rubens, and Bruce Boxleitner reprising his infamous role as the voice of Tron. Cool. Also on deck, Emmanuel Chikri and Lance Hendrickson. Hendrickson? Yeah. Well, he's cred. That's, cool. That's some cred, except for Elijah Wood. And uh, apparently it takes place between the two movies, is what I understand. Okay, huh. so... Kind of like the video game. What? What's your growl over there? My growl... Is it an animated series? Yeah, it's an animated series. Uh, all right. Well, we'll is it going to be like anime, like like traditional animated or like CG animated? I believe it's traditional animated. Okay, but I could be wrong. I don't know if they've really said traditional what it is. animated Tron. I don't know. Could be. I'm I'm actually kind of speculating here that that hasn't been announced to my knowledge. Well, let's hope they don't ruin it. Before I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Well, to kill your optimism. Oh, here. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. There's so little of it already. Before Tuesday's midterm elections here in the United States, 95 House and Senate candidates took a pledge called the Net Neutrality's Protectors Pledge, which consisted of a promise to stand against any attempt by big corporations to control the Internet and eliminate the Internet's level playing field, to protect net neutrality for the entire Internet, wired and wireless, to make sure corporations aren't allowed to take control of free speech online, unquote. All 95 of those candidates lost on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) All 95. Wow, boy. To say the least, this is not very encouraging news for net neutrality. As CNN Money reports, the widespread decromatic, uh, sorry, (laughs) decromatic, necromatic is what I'm thinking, actually. The widespread Democratic losses made an already uphill battle even tougher. More than a dozen incumbent congressmen who had voted a similar net neutrality bill in 2006 were voted out of office on Tuesday, most notably Representative Rick Boucher of Virginia, a 28-year-old House veteran. Now experts say the FCC needs to regroup and weigh its options. Quote, Obviously, the election results means the FCC has to go at it alone or work out some sort of deal. 
said Ron Grilla, the principal consultant of Frost and Sullivan. That's not an easy balancing act. With the change in the composition of the House, the momentum for legislative change and the likelihood of changing broadband to Title II is gone. Did anyone who signed it get retained? No. He said all 95. He said all 95. Did Every anyone single, in the Senate All it? people who signed it, gone. It's premature to call net neutrality dead, That's but weird. its defenders are ironically more likely to be private corporations like Google than Congress, and that means serious compromise. That's weird that they don't, that they would all be gone. Because that's just weird. It's because the only people the that signed it hate were our freedom. So we're going to take it away from you. Isn't that weird though <laughs> that all of them would be gone? Democrats, they're the ones who signed it. But there are still some Democrats left. Yeah, just not, just not ones that signed the net neutrality pledge. Yeah. <laughs> Although there's got to be some. Yeah, there's got to be, be some. Because I, I, cause I, I am sure, I am almost positive well, that this Al is... Franken signed that pledge because that's one of his big Right. Platforms. Well, well this true. is the House. Didn't it say, isn't it just the House? 95 well, it said, House. No, it said, 90, it said 95 House and Senate candidates took a pledge. Uh-huh. But, uh, Did Harry but, the, but then again, he wasn't up for election this round. Yeah, so that's go. true. So. so, But 95 of those that did sign it, whoosh, gone. Mm. Wow. Maybe it's meant to say 95 of the people that were up for re-election. All of them went. All of them. So so yeah. it's possible there were people that weren't up for election that signed this yes. pledge. Which would Harry be just the Senate. I, I wonder. Don't know. Hmm. I don't dun, know. Dun, dun. The president's a Democrat. I wonder. How does he feel about it? I don't know. Ask him. Wasn't he Call a him up right now. He's, the, on, uh... he's on my speed dial right over yeah, here. Okay. <laughs> I'll call him. Yeah. And ask him... Uh, He's uh, feeling like Chinese tonight. Has anyone ever tried to call the White House and ask? I'll ask him. There's if I'm the in switchboard. DC. You don't get far. Later okay. this month. <laughs> Give it a shot. All right. I'll call. I'll send him from the open couch. I'll right. ask him for you when, and I, then we'll when I'm in some DC. Kind of later. Good thing Paul's not here. He'd be like, <laughs> yeah, Barry, call now. I'll call. Call now and ask. Barry, Barry, Barry. Click it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can get a hold of him on this webpage right now. Here. Go here. Go here. You want to do it? You know you do. Let's take a look at this weird picture. Look this up. No. It's fun to make fun of him because he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> well, once he's finished filming Pirates of the Caribbean, not Paul, Johnny Depp, that project, is Dark Shadows. What? Which will reteam him with director and longtime collaborator Tim Burton on an update of the classic gothic soap opera that aired on NBC's daytime schedule from 1966 to 1971. I think Tim Burton now just exists to give Johnny Depp money. <laughs> like, like that's like that's needed. I don't Depp's got enough work as it is. Depp will play Bar- uh, Barnabas Collins, the undead ancestor of the Collins family who haunts their manor in Maine, looking for his lost love. No word yet on who else will be cast in the film, or how close he will stick to the canon of the original series. The new Dark Shadows has been in development for three years, with Depp saying that playing uh, Barnabas was a childhood dream. The movie, which starts production in April, will be his eighth collaborating with Burton. I never got into Dark Shadows. Neither did I. I don't know much about it. I, I, I know my mother was a fan. I, was hard, I found it hard to get into when I was younger. I mean, maybe now that I'm older, I would be able to, uh, to, to get into it. But, I, you know, part of the biggest problem I had with it was it was black and white back then. And I just I had this real weird thing with black and white. TV shows when I was a kid. I just, it's like, oh, 
I don't want to watch black and white. I want to watch color. That's not you a know. weird thing. Not well, really. no, but the, now that I'm older, I, I have more of an appreciation oh, sure, for sure. some of that stuff. But yeah, back then when the kids... Back, like, you know, when you're a kid, you just... Yeah. You just like, I mean, we suffered through the opening of Wizard of Oz, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, Mom, when does the color come in? Come on. <laughs> when are they going to get to Oz? All right. <laughs> Once upon a time... The Fab Four decided to set their sights on the Dark Lord Sauron by making a Lord of the Rings feature starring themselves. Really? One man dared stand in their way, J.R.R. Tolkien. (laughs) According to Peter Jackson, who knows a little something about making Lord of the Rings movies, John Lennon was the Beatle most keen on Lord of the Rings back in the 60s. He wanted to play Gollum. While Paul McCartney would play Frodo, Ringo Starr would take on Sam, and George Harrison would beard it up for Gandalf. And he approached a pre-2001 Stanley Kubrick to direct. Quote, It was something John was driving, and J.R.R. Tolkien still had the film rights at that stage, and he didn't like the idea of the Beatles doing it, so he killed it, Jackson said. Probably a good idea. McCartney felt that its demise was probably a good thing as it would have put the spotlight on Lennon, who wanted the showiest role and potentially irked the other Beatles. The strength of the other films which we made is that we were all equal. Mm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could have had a yellow submarine-ish <laughs> Beatles of the ring. That's probably a good idea. Good on you, Tolkien. <laughs> the last thing you need is four drugged-out hippies I fucking t- with your work. Tell you what, though. <laughs> When I find that machine that allows us to visit alternate dimensions, I'm watching that movie. I when I know. find the machine, that's what you'll do. That's what you'll do. Yes, with the that's what I will do first. First and second. Say hello to your sister. Uh, okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Say hello to your mother for me. <laughs> A second, I'll uh, I'll go to uh, the dimension where uh, it rains hot chicks. No, well, that that would be gross because they'd be splattering all over the place and guts and everything. Talk about the smell! Do you know the body evacuates itself after it dies? Imagine what it smells like after it splats. No, I'm not going to that dimension. You're crazy. Okay, that'd be amusing to see for a second. It's okay, so I would go there, like, oh, this is gross. Okay, now fourth dimension. Now let's go to the dimension where where I think I want to go, but maybe not raining them. Or it floats them down gently. Or <laughs> they float down gently. And then they pile up. And then they hold tacos. Hey, you have a taco. And then, the, and then no one, because everyone's Why full. Why do you have to shit on my no idea? No one eats the tacos. <laughs> Why do you have to shit on my idea? And the tacos just sit there and you got the smell of rotting meat. And these bodies are piling up and they're living this God time. damn it. And okay, so it fl- they, they float down <laughs> and they hold tacos, but only on Tuesdays. The dimension that rains hot chicks, but they float. And whole tacos, but only on Tuesdays. But on Tuesday. Tuesday taco day. Tuesday's hot chicks with tacos day. That's okay, because there'll be another dimension where it's always Tuesday. <laughs> I just won't go there. Okay, it's a problem solved. San Diego Comic-Con 2011 tickets are going on sale 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, November 22nd. Didn't they already go on sale? Not officially. I mean, you could buy them at the door there, but that was it. I thought November 5th was when they went on sale. November 22nd. Sort of did. Well, they were supposed to go on the 5th, but then the site crashed. Right. So now they've reestablished it for the 22nd. Uh, Eh. I see. 
what I also heard was that they had a problem where uh, they kind of went on sale, but then they didn't. And then um, the tickets for uh, four-day passes with preview night were sold out. Those were all sold out the day that Comic-Con 2010 stopped. Yeah, because yeah. uh, uh, Rudy said that he was uh, online trying to buy the four-day with preview night. Four-day badges with said, preview night sold out at the 2010 event, so now only four-day badges without preview night, and all single days are available. Price range to 20 to $105 for adults. Good to know. So get them quick if Very you're going. Sometimes I think they'll be sold be out pressed. in a day or two. I think they will. I, I, I don't disagree. I've been telling everyone, if you, if you want to get your tickets, get them that very same day, or you may be fucked. So I'm, to tell everyone you know, seriously, go get them that day. And if you can't go, watch the Ugly Couch Show's Comic-Con coverage. <laughs> or, cry. Yeah. Cry, cry. Crying's good. Better yet, cry. watch the Ugly Couch Show's Comic-Con coverage. Don't, don't cry. Just buy your tickets. We'll bring you early, all the hot people. chicks in costume and celeb interviews that we can possibly get for you. But buy your tickets. Don't be wusses. <laughs> After Disney's acquisition of Marvel, a television division was set up at Marvel Studios with Jeff Loeb hired to run the operation. And more recently, we learned that Marvel was developing an hour long live action Incredible Hulk TV series for ABC. During an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Disney CEO Robert Iger was asked about the progression of the Marvel Disney integration. Here is Iger's response. With Marvel, we've taken back distribution or bought back distribution from Viacom's Paramount for some critical franchises. Notably, Iron Man 3 will be distributed by us and Avengers. We're developing three live action series for ABC and ABC Family. You can buy Marvel products at Disney stores, and we're working on Marvel games. The Hollywood Reporter claims that Cloak and Dagger is being developed into a possible ABC family series, and The Punisher has been picked up as a cable television property. It would have to be cable. There's oh no my way God. in hell it could be network. I, at this point, Please. I hope it's AMC. Just <laughs> Didn't do it. Did you think um, that would be cool if they had like The Punisher on, say, you HBO. know, HBO or Showtime? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah, that would be it. that would awesome work. That would be about yeah. time somebody made that smart decision. I mean, I'm getting no, tired I mean, of all these edgy things that they put on network television, and it's like, what are you crazy? <laughs> Why I mean, are you doing the, this? Yeah, I mean, it, with you know the quality of like programs like Dexter, I think Punisher would do well. In that setting, because they wouldn't have to really censor themselves on the things that he does. No, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, when's the last time you saw them censor anything that Dexter did when he's cutting up a cloak and dagger on ABC Family? It was supposed to be. It was originally when it was put out supposed to be like an anti-drug type of comic story. Cloak and dagger. Oh yeah, that's right. Because they were like subjected to some kind of test from nasty guys with some kind of drug and. That's where their well, powers came kids, from or something. Really. So, exactly. So, I almost see that connection there. Because if, if they're going to take that that angle, I could almost see that. And, hey, better Cloak and Dagger than Hawk and Dove, just saying. <laughs> Cloak's kind of, I mean, no pun intended, but Cloak's kind of dark as a character. He's real, 
he's, he's oh just, yeah he's very oh, sad is, is his power sad. to show you the evil that men do when he wraps around is that what his power is I don't remember uh, I always think it, it's some kind of shadow dagger. realm teleport thing and okay Dagger's energy is the only thing that uh, keeps him going. He's like addicted to her energy or something. I I, okay. I, I never read it, but I know them, them vaguely. The more you talk so, about it, the more I think it should be on cable. You, you know. Of course, I, I, I'm still waiting for the Jan and Jaina. I want that. Yes. The Wonder yes, Twins. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. With with Gleek around there. Beep, 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 yeah. Beep. Yep. You're a Gleek. Yeah, damn straight I am. Your Recognize. mom's a Gleek. The most expensive Broadway musical in history just swung back a few weeks. Oh, oh no. I get it. I get it. Spider-Man. Turn, turn, off, turn the off the dark. <laughs> turn off the dark. There's too much dark in the room. Very quick. Reach up and grab that switch and turn off the dark. Oh. <laughs> Featuring music and lyrics by Bono and the Edge and directed by Julie Taymor was scheduled to open December 21st, but has now been pushed back into January 2011. Of course it has. So what's taking so long this time? The production has been in full rehearsal for the past few months, but apparently most of Tamor's energy hasn't been spent on the musical as a whole. Instead, she's been perfecting the stunts and the special effects. One in particular that's giving people, especially actors' equity, a lot of issues, has two characters slingshot from the back of the stage out toward the audience. Two actors reportedly broke their wrists during rehearsal. <laughs> Shouldn't be acting. Shouldn't be acting in the dark. <laughs> Don't they just you turn know, off that turn dark? Just turn just off, off that damn the dark, and they'll be all right. I'm reminded of one of the first acronyms I ever learned when I was in film school. Fubar. Nope. K I S S. Keep it simple, stupid. But this is, sounds this is, like they're dude, not. But dude, li- Julie Taymor. It's, not, it's no. not going to be simple. That's the only thing that for me gives this thing hope is because is she true. is the most imaginative big time commercial theater director out there. This is true. She also direct, gives you an idea of her vision. She directed across the universe. Okay. All right. That's that's the kind of visionary. Sure. She's there. the one who did the original Lion King. Yes. Right. I mean, very visually. And when you're dealing with big Broadway plays with subjects like Spider-Man versus you know say you know two guys in a room talking. You need the spe- you need the spectacle. Who's mm. the villain? I don't really know. In fact, I think they made up a, a, one of the villains. You no, know I think the villain is hmm. the dark uh, <laughs> <laughs> taste, <laughs> sense, class. <laughs> How about Bono's score? That's pretty villainous thus far. Oh, okay, man. so the villain is Bono. Okay, folks, U two is one of my favorite bands ever, and for the longest time, this was a group that could do no wrong. But I gotta say, the little bits I've heard of the music on this thing, that you know, like the lyrics and stuff that that Bono and the Edge have been working on, like the song "The Boy Learns to Fly" or something like that. It's just disappointing. Wow. Doesn't doesn't give it enough. And what what really struck me about that song is that how much it sounded like. Uh, Love me, kill me, kiss me, thrill me. Oh, hold me, kiss me. Yeah, that one. The the song from Batman Forever. Wrote at the end of that. You two can do wrong. That's that guitar lick was the last two albums and this. I'm sitting here asking myself, what are they doing? I mean, is he just spending so much time trying to you know get water and food to kids in Africa that he just has turned completely? 
over to that, and it's like, oh, well, let's go into the studio. We got an album to record. Uh, no, 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 no. Here we go. Here's, here's my lyrics notes. I got to go back to Africa. I, oh, I, I don't sure, know what Jeff. Doing. Make it racial. That I'm not making it racial. Yeah. I, I, I applaud what he's doing there. But I'm just. You're, you're I, applauding my, what he's doing in the musical? No. I applaud <laughs> what he's doing with, you know, trying to, yes. you know, feed starving children and. and his humanitarian work, I applaud. But no, that, I just wonder if he's maybe focusing so much on that. Well, apparently that he's not reusing guitar licks. Well, that would be the Edge. That would be his area well, of expertise. I bl- what the fuck kind of name is the Edge? What kind of fuck name is Bono? They're nicknames. Get over what it. Kind of, what kind of name is 80s Jeff? Yeah. What kind of a name kind is name? Dr. Vlarg? Yeah. That's bullshit. Who are these people? I don't know. <laughs> All assholes. <laughs> Uh, a lot of them. Yeah, but God. see, I don't people humani- use their names. I'm not a humanitarian. So, haha. No, there is. That. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> boy, oh Hell boy. No. Blue Sky Disney reports the following. The Imagineers over at Walt Disney International have been given the go-ahead to move further into Blue Sky development on an e-ticket attraction themed to Tron for Disneyland. This isn't a green light for the actual finalized ride, just the opportunity to explore more extensive designs and concepts. Please replace Utopia. Actually, uh, it says uh, 2012-2013 could see the beginning of that long-talked-about but continuously put-off remake of Tomorrowland. So, oh, thank God. So that would be actually very nice. <laughs> I can't... Why have a cheap-ass car ride? That thing is crap. It really is. I went and, on that. I went on that like a, f- a couple months ago. I went to Autopia... And Deb was in front of me, and it's like, okay, this is so boring. I had to jam my foot down on that thing the entire time if I wanted to get any speed out of that stupid car. <laughs> and I got no speed. And I had to jam my foot on it to get to, to even go, like, two miles an hour. And it says, don't ram the person in front of you. That was the only way I could get any fun out of it. <laughs> and every time I rammed the person in front of me, Deb turned around and gave me a nasty look. <laughs> and that was the fun I had. And that <laughs> ride takes up so much real estate. <laughs> that reminds me, there was a there's you get a ride. Three rides out of, out of the real estate out of that thing. There's a, there's there was a ride at uh, Worlds of Fun in Kansas City that's very similar to that. They've, they've, Every they've, theme park has a ride similar well, to that. In this one, they went out and bought up like all these old chassis of like Model T Fords. Yep. And they took the engines out and replaced them with lawnmower engines. <laughs> and it's on a track, Did so there's Saturn. there's some modicum of steering, but you can't steer you can't oversteer one direction or another because you're on a track. It's, you're on you're on this tra- yeah. on this the single track down the center here. You can't pass anybody. Yeah. No, you can't pass anybody. It's go karts without choices. And that exactly oh. that same thing. You had to jam oh, on that accelerator pedal to get moving, and as soon as you took your foot off, you come to a complete stop. Yeah. So I mean, you, like jam it to it's get the same moving, damn thing. and you're right about the real estate thing. I swear to God, they had at least a full acre dedicated to this thing, and you wind around. I mean, granted, they had stuff inside mm-hmm. the track that you know you don't need stuff to, was you going don't on. You don't need to even steer. All really? you got to do is just go like that. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't. Yeah, you don't have just to look steer. Around. It's, it's a smoother ride if you steer because when you when the <laughs> when the when the little wheels hit that track, it like jerks you one way or another. Fun. So. I found fun. And at least your ride had something to look at. There's nothing to look at in Autopia. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. It's ah, a lame the, ride. It's the, the up, lamest ride. The upshot of Kansas City was the grass was always short. They yeah. had the balls, yeah, the fucking nerve <laughs> to actually sell fucking Autopia t-shirts and hats <laughs> and goddamn souvenirs of the, of the experience. Wow. What the 
fucking spirits is there in Autopia? Now wow. I know what to get Barry for Christmas. No, I think the meds are wearing You on. got an Autopia cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen out in our viewers everywhere, this Christmas, make sure to send Barry your Autopia merchandise. Oh, you'll eat that shit. <laughs> you'll eat it. Oh, and, and my next note here says, after they're done with Tiki, they're working on Autopia the film. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I thought that was Cars. Apparently, there's going to be a whole Cars land in California yep. Adventure. Yeah. Yep. That's actually more exciting Boy. than Autopia. Oh, and also, Autopia stinks of diesel fuel. Well, yeah. I can't get... Okay. It's bad for the environment. <laughs> of all of the Pixar films, I cannot understand what the fascination is with Cars. I, it's, a, it's a decent movie. Certainly not that memorable, at least not to me. Okay. Yet, the merchandise is... Everywhere, kids loved it. Kids I love get, cars, especially in the Midwest, where the kids love cars anyway. Well, that's true. You know, there's anthropomorphized cars. Yeah, that's you can true. Anthropomorphize anything. Yeah, that matchbox can talk. Yep. Yes, I guess I didn't. I underestimated the popularity of NASCAR and the, <laughs> and the ability to popularity of NASCAR. Tie it in with cars, and you've got the biggest audience you're ever going to get right. for a Disney film. Cars Two, brought to you by Winston. <laughs> and finally, Winston is in final... Wait, no. Martin Sheen is in final negotiations to join the cast of Columbia Pictures' 3D Spider-Man reboot. Now, Heat Vision is reporting that Academy Award-winning actress Sally Field is also in talks to join the film, which is being directed, of course, by 500 Days of Summer Helmer Mark Webb. Aww. Sheen will pay, play Park... Uh, <laughs> he will play a park. He'll play a park in uh, New York, and they're going to stretch him out. Real and they got lawnmowers nice. and Model Ts. Yes. Sheen will play Peter Parker's Uncle Ben, so it's likely that Sally Field will play the role of Aunt May. Oh, I thought she'd be a little young to play Aunt May. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, she's she's old. Oh, you're older than you think. Yeah. Yeah, she's... uh, No, she's not that old. She doesn't look that old. Well, welcome to Hollywood. Rick Baker will be doing the age makeup. Seriously. Why can't it be Greg Nicotero and they can all be zombies? They can do Marvel zombies with Greg Nicotero and all of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> you put it that. out there. You put it out there. No, Sally Field does not HBO's Marvel look zombies. She looks fine for her age, so they'll probably do a little work. But at the same time, I accept fucking, it. Is Jessica Tandy still alive? <laughs> no. <laughs> Raise her from the dead, because she should be perfect for Aunt May. Only thing, so growing, Betty on White. Her, only thing growing on her is toenails. Oh, Let's start a Betty White as Aunt May movement. <laughs> Zombie Aunt May. Jeff, can you whip up a Facebook page? Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> you are a good Paul stand-in, I'm just saying. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jessica Tandy... Barry, look it up, look it up, look it up right now. Betty White, <laughs> Betty White as Aunt May. And that brings us to the big list. The big list! Reasons why Jessica Tandy should still be alive. Play Aunt May. That was a big list. One through ten. This one brought to us from Crack.com, Maxwell Yetpetelek. Six comic book crossovers you won't believe actually happened. Oh, yeah. Will you believe it, Barry? Um, I will probably believe it. Will you believe it? I will probably believe it. We're going to start light, all right? That's a little more believable. Number six, Batman teams up with Sherlock Holmes. I believe that. Yeah. In fact, I think I've seen that. Yeah, special anniversary issue. Batman and Robin travel to England to stop a plot from Professor Moriarty's evil descendant to murder Queen Elizabeth. After doing some sightseeing, Batman succeeds in taking down Mori- Moriarty Jr. thanks to some unexpected help 
in the form of Sherlock Holmes. First, they're both detectives. They're both rich. They both have sidekicks. So what's the problem? Math. Holmes first showed up in 1887, and he was 33 at the time. This comic comes out in the late 1980s and is completely set in the present. But being over 130 doesn't mean Holmes had lost his mad ninja skills. <laughs> By the way, the whole point of Moriarty's plan to murder the queen is to honor his ancestor's name. So why doesn't he just use all those henchmen and weapons, at one point he even gets a hold of atomic missiles, to bomb the shit out of Sherlock. So why doesn't he? Well, it's not like the old man goes to great lengths to hide his identity. He hasn't even changed his wardrobe in 100 years. But Bruce Wayne has been roughly the same age forever. Right. Robin punches robots. They regular team up with aliens and fight monsters. They could have made up any damn thing they wanted to get healthy, young Holmes and Batman in a room together. But they chose to make him unnaturally old and force themselves into coming up with all this Tibetan beekeeping bullshit to explain away how he was able to stay so <laughs> virile. Okay. Tantric sex. Oh, it only gets better from there, gentlemen. It's Number better. five. The Punisher meets Eminem. What? what? Oh, yeah! <laughs> I don't even know this one. Does the Punisher, like, punish Eminem? Because that's what I would like to see. <laughs> oh, the punishment is about to begin. You listen to this. Oh, no. Unlike most bizarre celebrity cameos in comics, this one was done with Eminem's full approval and cooperation. Oh, of course. The story opens with the Punisher slaughtering Eminem's bodyguards after a concert in Detroit. The downside to having Eminem's approval is that you also get a shit ton of Eminem's suggestions, which explains why the story tries so hard to make him look like a badass. When Punisher attacks him, Eminem just happens to be carrying a Glock, and we later learn he's wearing a bulletproof vest. The plot reveals that Eminem is good buddies with one of the Punisher's rival hitmen, the degenerate, merciless mass murderer called Barracuda. Incidentally, the only reason the Punisher was around Eminem and the... Come on, you knew I had to do that. Yeah, I know. I did... You don't so long. It's a long guitar lick. Incidentally, the only reason the Punisher was around Eminem in the first place was to protect him from Barracuda, which he somewhat paradoxically accomplished by murdering M's bodyguards. M's story suggestions read like child interpretation of cool toughness, where Eminem beats the Punisher with a gun Mm -hmm. while rapping. Can we just call him Marshall and stop calling him Eminem? Once the Punisher is lying on the floor unconscious, Eminem proceeds to shoot him in the chest. This is when Barracuda reveals that he was the one hired by the parents' music console to murder Eminem and that the Punisher was only there to stop Barracuda. Kuda takes Shady and the unconscious Punisher chains them together and runs off on a boat to drown them instead of, say, shooting them in their faces. Eminem gets out of the chains, frees the Punisher, and they kill Barracuda. The comic ends with the Punisher and Eminem cleaning up the misunderstanding and parting on more or less friendly terms. Eminem gets off the boat and continues to walk on the frozen water while the Punisher sails away on the inexplicably unfrozen water, now on a new mission. And everyone lived happily ever after, well, except Barracuda and two dead bodyguards and every single member of the parents' music council, evidently, who 
All right. Yeah. So, yeah, the Parents Music Council sending out mercenaries to kill Eminem. Punisher's there to stop it and from happening. Badass. Who the fuck let that <laughs> comic book happen? Yeah, whose brainchild was that beyond Eminem? I mean, <laughs> what, what person at DC goes? Deep Marvel. Or Marvel, excuse me. Now, the one suggestion of his they apparently did not use, okay. they, they finally put the brakes on, was the part where Punisher blows him. Because <laughs> I think that would be great for, for my next album. The whole comic is Eminem getting blown by the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's him going, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm in a comic, I'm in a comic. Ah! <laughs> Number four, Jesus versus Zeus. Oh God! Oh my! God. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Even the atheists are like, "Oh, jeez!" What? What? What comic is this in? In 1996, controversial comic book artist Rob Liefeld. <laughs> <laughs> really, is really hard to say it. Well, yeah. that's a phrase you don't hear <laughs> every day. <laughs> <laughs> Published a crossover between two of his most brilliant creations. Evangeline, a fallen angel based on Christian mythology, and Glory, an Amazon based on Greek religious mythology. Who are they? How do their spines bend like that? Titties? That's not important. The last one's not even technically a question. What's important is that Lee Field thought that religious crossover in this comic was the perfect excuse to give Jesus a much-needed gritty reboot. The comic starts in a dream sequence, where, as one reviewer put it, quote, the Greek gods stop by Jesus' cre- Jesus's cre- crucifixion and talk some trash, unquote. When the Greek gods start talking shit on the human race, Jesus is in no mood to put up with their shit, so he rips himself down from the cross and kicks their Greek asses. <laughs> that whole turning the other cheek crap, that was the old Jesus, the old new Jesus. Has no patience for fools. He like, went Old Testament on the ass. Sounds yo. like some kind of a Christian fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> After Jesus easily takes down all the lesser gods, he goes head to head with Zeus himself, who offers to spare him if he admits the whole human race is lame and unworthy of Jesus' sacrifice. Now, calling the human race lame would be an insult to Jesus' mother, and you should never make fun of another man's mom, especially Jesus' mom. The dream sequence ends before we can see the outcome of the fight. And we learn that Evangeline's dream was a prophecy. The interpretation of the dream is that there's a war between the forces of Zeus's and God's army of badass angels, and it's up to the two large-breasted superheroes to stop it before it destroys the universe. Unfortunately, this was the first issue, and the second issue was never printed. <laughs> I wonder why. We- we don't know how the women save the day. We don't know if Zeus gets his ass handed to him in either reality or dream sequence. We don't know if Jesus does the ass handling. We don't know anything. We believe the outcome will be the subject of intense theological debate in the distant future when the comic is found and mistaken for a real part of the Bible. Sounds like something that would have been on U62. Next week on U62. <laughs> He's back. All of his drawings are just tits without spines. I can't even read that shit. Tits without spines. Oh, Rob Leefield. Oh, his his artwork is precious. That it's panel of glossy tits off without the cross spines. That's all it is. Hysterical. <laughs> Evangeline. Oh, you've seen it? 
Oh, yeah, no, blade? I've seen this list, yeah, and, and they put up panels. Yeah, there's oh, pictures. Nice. So there's, if you go there to crack, are pictures to go with the words. I recommend you go to crack.com and look at this list yourself <laughs> so you can see this in action. <laughs> all that shit from Top Cow, all that, I can't, yeah. I can't read any of that shit. Oh, here we go, it gets better. Number three, the X-Men and Star Trek. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. How did I miss no. this one? Oh, when did this happen? Now, somehow, there's been two separate comics with this premise. <laughs> Each featuring the X-Men and a different Star Trek generation. There you go. It's not even in the same universe. The stories are almost completely different, although they both involve time travel, alternate dimensions, and a scene where Wolverine is single-handedly taken down by Spock, the biggest nerd on the Enterprise. That's right. In fact, these things are basically standard Star Trek plots with the X-Men awkwardly shoehorned into boost sales. There's no coincidence that they were published to coincide with the launch of Marvel's Paramount Comics imprint, which... Sort of pissed off all the Star Trek fans who weren't expecting to find sexy mutants in their comics. But since oh, yeah. two 50-page comics clearly weren't enough to explore this idea in depth and its pathos it's deserved, Marvel and Paramount later published a 300-page novel that told yet another Star Trek slash X-Men adventure. Thankfully, they stopped the franchise before the inappropriate sexual tension could reach a boiling point and the whole thing turned into an all-out orgy. <laughs> if there's one thing that intrigues us less than the sex life of the Enterprise crew members and the X-Men, it's the sex lives of the Enterprise crew members with the X-Men. Picard Xavier fanfic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Number two. Spider-Man and Iron Man intersect with a daytime soap opera. What? In 2006, for reasons beyond any human comprehension, the editors at Marvel Comics met with the people at Procter & Gamble to discuss possible ways for their properties to intersect. Marvel, obviously, had access to a ton of valuable superhero properties. Someone was dating somebody. And Procter & Gamble had Guiding Light, a beloved American soap opera about white people doing things. Uh, two properties <laughs> that clearly belonged together. The result was an episode of Guiding Light in which one of the characters gained superpowers after suffering a freak accident with some Halloween decorations. By the way, that wasn't a dream or a fantasy sequence. All that stuff actually happened in the reality of the show. The superpowers were reversed by the end of the episode, though, presumably because those fancy special effects were way too expensive to afford on a regular basis. Now, Marvel fulfilled its side of the deal by pr producing a special Guiding Light comic in the same character has another freak accident involving an electric socket and some fingers. The story <laughs> jumps to Spider-Man capturing some bad guys in New York when Iron Man suddenly shows up and asks him to drop everything. Turns out Iron Man has somehow detected a new superheroine in the small Midwestern town and is gathering all the big guns to come check her out, which is clearly more important than stopping crime. So Spider-Man literally leaves the bad guy sitting in the middle of the street and joins Iron Man and the rest for this important mission. Clearly. Spider-Man's carelessness comes to bite everyone in the ass when the same criminals he left unattended follow the heroes to Springfield and attack its guiding light superheroine. She helps to defeat the bad guys once again, losing her powers in the process. The crossover was an obvious attempt to boost the ratings of the soap <clears throat> by tapping into the superhero film trend. Did it work? Well, before this happened, guiding light had been going on for 70 years. That was... It predates television, and it was canceled shortly afterward. 
<laughs> and once again, yeah, didn't it start uh, off as like a radio serial or yes, something it before it went it to was, TV? It was yeah. radio first. I thought so. Procter and Gamble presents Guiding Light. And as another reason to go to this list, if I'm remembering correctly, oh, they yeah. have video clips yes, of the Guiding Light episode of the chick running around in costume using her powers. Oh, I have to see this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Just it's think of all the same demographic. <laughs> and number one, Superman versus pretty much everyone. Huh? All right, Superman is the Kevin Bacon of superheroes. Yeah, pretty yeah. much everyone's crossed over with Superman. Thanks yeah. to him, there's only two degrees of separation between the Thundercats and I Love Lucy. Superman has appeared in a comic with literally everyone. Most of these stories involve punching because, well, that's what he does best. But the problem with having Superman fight another character is the guy has more powers than God and Wolverine combined, meaning most fights would realistically end in about three seconds. And since writers can't always use kryptonite, they have to constantly come up with other reasons why Superman wouldn't even be, would even be slightly threatened by the other guy. And sometimes, well, they can get pretty ridiculous. Like uh, that time Skeletor put a magic spell on Superman and forced him to fight He-Man. Like in oh, yeah. Superman versus Aliens, where he somehow strands himself on an asteroid that happens to have Kryptonian atmosphere, making Superman weak enough for the alien queen to force itself on him. Superman's always been vulnerable to magic. Yeah. Or in Superman versus Predator, where he contracts a convenient jungle virus and weakens his powers. Or in <clears throat> Superman and Batman versus Aliens and Predator, which takes place inside of Active Volcano, I read this one. where Superman's powers don't work into full capacity. Superman's always been a little slow on the update. So an active volcano in the jungle, secret lair against yeah. Superman. And there's also Superman versus Freddy versus Jason, featuring Gumby, where <laughs> Superman loses his what? powers after eating a bad plate of chili cookies. <laughs> <laughs> what the I'm Gumby, damn it. You oh, made right, that up. No, right, that one doesn't exist. That's bullshit. <laughs> I actually read a little bit of the the Superman and Batman versus the uh, Predator and Aliens. It was terrible, dude. Jerry terrible. Lewis, he, he was Jerry Lewis was in his goddamn comic at one point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Lucy, that's not that's an exaggeration. That he met, I love Lucy in Superman comic. They nope. oh, and they. Oh, yeah, God, the Superman silver... showed up on the I Love Lucy show. I remember when... Uh, like George the old Reeves. George Reeves one? The yeah. Silver yeah. Age of Superman is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But Crypto. in a joyful way. Come on. In a joyful way. And that's a big list. And that's... That's... That's show. That's so, the show, yeah. So uh, you got something? Write to us in the comic se- comments section, or you can write to us, comments at UglyCountShow.com. And be sure to watch The Ugly Couch Show itself, where we tell you what to watch, what to read, what to play. Yeah. Show and tell. Geeks. Indeed. Yeah. Discover what's worth discovering. And discover the length of Barry's hair. And discover Barry looking at the yellow sucker longingly. Do you want that? Do you want to keep that? You can have it. I don't want it. That's what's going in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it for Geek Shock. So I am Master Torgo. I am Dr. Lord. 80's Jeff. Commander K. And hey, we'll bring you good stuff next week. Bye-bye. I'm talking with you. I love you. I love you. There was a Marvel character. They allowed Eminem to carry up, kill off. It actually did. It's not the first time Baron Food has died. That's true. They're not moving. That's right. The man's like the world of comedy. Lex Luthor.
everybody, even Bucky's come back, it's all over. <laughs>